Welcome, coaches. This is Tony Schiffman, and you are listening to the Hog Football Podcast. The Hog Football Chat was created as a way for coaches to talk about all things football and all things offensive line, and we took off via Twitter. With the help of so many great sponsors, we were able to create an amazing network of our coaching community. Now we've decided to launch our first ever podcast series. Please don't forget to check out those amazing sponsors on Twitter. This podcast series is presented by Platform, an online strength and conditioning tool that partners with over 800 schools across the country. Go check out platform.com, that's P-L-T-4-M.com, for our full series and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. Don't forget to check out at Coach Schiffman on Twitter and use the hashtag HogFootballChat when you're there. We have a great episode for you today, so let's go ahead and kick this off. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of the Hog Football Podcast. Today, I've got Angus Reed with me. Um, Angus is kind of a, a, a pretty big deal right now on Twitter. Um, so he was the fourth overall pick in the uh, Canadian Football League draft by the Toronto Argonauts, but ended up playing over 200 games for the uh, British Columbia Lions. Um, he was a three-time All-Star, a two-time Grey Cup champ, and a five-time team captain. Uh, you might know uh, Angus more from his Amazon best-selling book, Thank You, Coach, though. Um, he was lucky enough to send me a copy, and I read it. It was awesome. Um, and he's joining us today. Angus, how's it going? It's going well, Coach. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's a real honor. Yeah, absolutely. I have, uh, you know, we've talked a couple times here and there over over Twitter, but uh, anytime we get a ch- chance to kind of talk and, and pick your brain a little bit is it, pretty cool to me. So, um you know, obviously, first question, you, you were a 200 games um, in the CFL, two-time Grey Cup champ. How important um, was the offensive line to the success of those teams? <laughs> you and I both know is everything. Oh, yeah. And, and I, obviously, I have a, a O-line bias, if you will. But, you know, I've played football long enough to, to have perspective on what really matters most. And, 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 you know, everything is interconnected. And any team that wins – it's, it's unfair to give all the praise to one group and unfair to blame one group when things go wrong. Everything is interconnected, but you know, I think most people that follow football can realize that everything goes better when the line is working well. I mean, mm-hmm. everything. Absolutely everything you draw up has a better chance to work when your unit up front is working. And, and I think the opposite is also true. When, when there's problems up front, it doesn't matter what you're drawing up. It doesn't matter what talent you have behind them. Everything's a lot harder, and the teams that we won with had had two things going for us up front. We had good talent; they're good players, but everybody has good players. But we had we had a group that stayed together and stayed healthy. So right. we had the same unit, in which you know, guys that talk O line, it's not it's not you know the the five most talented players. It's it's the five guys that work the best together, and and the easiest way to have that happen is to have the right personalities. And to have time, time together, the unit that can work together the longest uh, can 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 handle adversity, overcome problems, and know each other well enough to 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 work faster, more diligently, right. and solve problems better. So we had a unit that was good guys, good players, but we stayed healthy, and we had multiple seasons with pretty much the same unit, which which is rare, and that's what that's what made those teams great when we had guys that that were like that. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of quick sidebar question off of that. How was, what was your guys' relationship off the field? Were you guys hanging out a lot? Um, you know, just because I obviously at the professional level, it's different than, than college, you know, you're not in classes together and, and things like that, but did you guys have kind of a, a personal relationship outside of football as well? Yeah, I, I look, I, I played 13 years pro. So I, I had kind of a unique career where I, I, I pretty much played three careers of the, of the normal, normal player, right? You know, you <laughs> right. look at most athletes, if they're lucky enough to make it, they, you know, they put three or four years together. That's, that's kind of your, your, your average career there. And I played 13 and I, I, you know, I started 10 of those. I was a starter for 10, 10 or 11 of those years. So I was with kind of three different groups of lines, shall mm -hmm. we say. And, and, the, and the lines, the BC Lions team that I was on from 99% of my career, we were good most, most of those years. Almost all the years we were a top-tier team in the league. So I would say my first third of my career, I was a young guy on an older veteran line. I was kind of the young buck coming in with, these, with this group that had been together, and they were seasoned veterans, and I was this kind of young greenhorn that they took me under their wings, and, and I was like their little brother. And I right. looked up to them and they were tight. And I learned from them that, yeah, they had families, they had kids, they had adult responsibilities, but they also understood that to be great was more than just being a good player. It was being a good unit. And they, you know, every, they had like Thursday night, wing night at the pub. And we did Tuesdays after practice was, uh, there, was this, there was kind of this nice diner down the hall from our facility, down the road from our facility. It was, it was mm -hmm. basically mandatory. So there was times carved out where, we did non-football related bonding and I learned from them how powerful that was when you could laugh, kind of joke, uh, get to know each other as people. And so when you went to the work and you went on the field, it was more than just business. It was, it was your buddies you're working with. And I will say my, my middle third time when we won my first grade cup in 06, kind of in the, I guess you'd call it the prime of your career. I was 30, I think. I was with a group that we were all about the same age. We were all tight and we, <laughs> We probably had too much fun together, that group. We, uh, <laughs> we were all kind of the same age. Some of us were married, some of us weren't, but we all were uh, like-minded people in that, in that same time frame of our life where we, we were a really good team, we were really good friends, and we leveraged all of that. And we had a great time. We, we were guys that just loved each other. And then the, my back end, when I won my last great cup in 2011, I became kind of like uh, – the old father figure to a younger group. And it was right. the next, uh, the next generation, which was kind of a fun way to be. But, you know, I was, I was kind of someone passing on wisdom in terms of making sure we had lunch together, making sure on the road trips, uh, we, we all ate together, but you know, they went out and had their party partying together. And I was kind of the old man having to go home and make right. sure I could recover for practice. But uh, <laughs> the, the personal relationship is huge and you're right on the professional level. It's different because you're not structurally, going to be together you have to make a conscious decision to do that because it's easy to go home after work or say no we're going for lunch uh yeah we're gonna have barbecues and get the families together and not everybody does that at the pro level and if you don't i think you see the difference when particularly when there's when, when adversity hits are you guys that actually know each other and care about each other or are you just here to do a job and the great teams i think take that extra step in making sure you bond and making mm. sure that you build those relationships so uh, you can deal with problems as, as people that know each other more than just a bunch of guys that are good good enough to get a job. And it's big. It's important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's kind of cool, you know, in your – obviously it's cool that you got to play 13 years of professional football, but, but you know, you got to kind of go from, like you said, that greenhorn your first couple of years to being the – 
the not to use a bad term, but the old man of the group. And, and so oh, you, got no, to, no. you know, you got to use the experiences you had from, from when you, when you were younger and kind of, you know, relay those lessons onto the, to the younger guys and the older guys. So that's, that's cool that they got to kind of go full circle like that. Yeah. And it's, I feel very grateful that I was able to, to do that. And I think anyone that's able to do anything long enough, I think you feel that responsibility when you get mm-hmm. to that certain age to pay forward what was given to you. I mean, I'd like, I'd like to think, most successful people when they're being honest with themselves will realize how many people have been good to them and helped them and shown them the way and, you know, bestowed wisdom on them. And I had all these guys I looked up to when I first came to the league and, and they sort of showed me what it meant not to be, not just to be a good football player, but to be a pro. And that's a sure. different level, you know, how to be a professional and handle yourself and prepare and do all the things that matter. And yeah, I felt, I felt very honored that my, my last few years I could be that one to, be a mentor to the younger guys and, and sort of uh, pass on the standards of, of what it means to not just uh, playing pro football, but, but, but bringing your best and, and creating excellence in, in, in your environment and the culture and whatnot. So, you know, I think that's the least anyone that's successful in their, in their, any, any uh, endeavor needs mm-hmm. to do if, if you can make it that long is to pay everything forward. What's been given to you. Yeah, Absolutely. So that, that kind of what you were talking about there sort of leads into my next question and, and kind of want to talk a little bit about, um, about your book. Thank you, coach. Um, yeah, you know, obviously if anybody that hasn't read it, it's, it's a fantastic book. Um, it kind of talks about Angus kind of throughout his, his professional career and, and his time with, uh, with coach Dan Durazio and what, why sort of why my question is why the book? I mean, obviously it's, it's kind of to honor him, um, as a coach, but, but you know, what, what kind of got your, your gears turning on, on wanting to write the book and, and, um, and, and getting it going? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you the, the, the most truthful answer about why I wrote the book, because for, for the last few years before I did it, uh, I kept telling my wife, I go, I should really write a book about Coach Dan. I mean, I should write a book about Coach Dan. I'd say it all the time. She goes, well, then write the damn book. So I, <laughs> that's how, you, you know, that's the secret to getting things done. Just tell your wife you got to do something long enough and she's going to make you do it. But yeah, absolutely. I think what happened was I realized I do a lot of keynote speaking and, I, and I was, I was, it was really obvious that every lesson I was bestowing in my messages were all from him. And I'm sitting here every time uh, realizing that it was more than one. I mean, I would go down any avenue people wanted to talk about. And I was just rehashing what had been taught to me. And I thought, wow, there's a, there's a lot here. And what I wanted to do was, you're right, obviously honor him. And, and I, in doing so, I was trying to honor all, all coaches that do so much to help mold us as people. And, and I wanted to make it bigger than just a sports story book. I was hoping I could make it a, a leadership book. And here was the interesting thing. I, I wanted to come with a different angle and, you know, tell me if I did this, cause this was my goal was to, to, I, you know, there's enough leadership books written out there by leaders. There's enough coaching right. books written by coaches. I mean, there's a million of them. You don't need another how to. And I thought, you know, what a, what an interesting take to, to write a book about great leadership and great coaching from someone that isn't a coach. Like I'm not a coach. I'm, I'm right. going to speak, speak back to coaches and let you know how you're impacting people's lives. And I'm the person that was impacted. So here's what great coaching does to people. And I'm just that person. And so it's kind of a, uh, you know, here's, here's the power and impact that you have. Uh, what are you making sure that you're maximizing it to help raise people and, and, and make them better? Cause you're going to affect them. 
right? You know that, and we all right. know that. A coach is going to affect you one way or the other. And and are they are they are they conscious enough to realize that uh, everything they do with you in terms of teaching you the game or teaching whatever they are is going to mold you as a person, and you're going to take that with you after you finish playing. And and what a powerful platform that coach has now to help help get you ready for life or make you a better person through coaching you football. And so I thought I could tell a story where Dan, sure, yeah, he helped me to make it. He helped me to become the best player I, I, I could. But what really, what really was hit me was after I retired and you get in the real world and you start dealing with real, you know, real world, real world problems. And you go, wow, I have, I have uh, skills built into me or, or I have abilities to deal with these things from how Dan got me ready to play football. And, and right. I thought that was, that was bigger than just sports. And it's a, it's another reminder of how important sports are, but really how powerful and impactful coaches are. So it's a thank you to them. And it's a reminder that, yeah, you're, 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 you're coaching a kid on how to, on how to reach block this three and you're coaching guys and coaching kids about what it takes to win a game. But that all has to transfer when they leave the sport and when they're trying to, you know, get the job and, 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 and build a relationship and have a marriage and raise kids, it, it, it all needs to seamlessly move forward or else it was kind of wasted. It was kind right. of useless, right? I mean, if the, if the kid only knows how to reach a three technique for the rest of his life, I mean, it doesn't really transfer anywhere. I'm looking <laughs> at it going like, that's great and all, but, you know, unless, unless the skills on how to get that done should be the same skills on how to get anything difficult done, now, right. now you're really – now you're really doing something special, I think. Yeah, you, you did. That, that message definitely came across. And, and I, hope, um, I hope you're not offended, but my, my copy of the book is kind of filled with notes and underlines and, and things Love like it. that. So Honored. That, that, uh, that's, what, that's how I read books, too. That's okay. what I do. I, I butcher them with my own highlighters and pens. And yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I go through my, my father hates it because he's a big book collector, but I always make sure I read it once, kind of through and then I go back through it again and read it again and, and kind of destroy it. So, um, no, I think it's, a, I think it's one of the great honors anyone can have. I, I, I wish I had more money or shall I say more book space or a wife that would allow me to have a larger bookshelf because I would love to have a rule of a rule where I would not, not tarnish a hard copy of something and then get the soft cover and, and tear it shreds. But that's yeah. redundant enough in a world where we're trying not to have more stuff. So I, yeah. I butcher all books. And to me, if I haven't gone through it with a highlighter or a pen, it wasn't that good. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. So that, I'm good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're on the same page there. Um, yeah. So my my second question to you, and, and kind of this is more kind of a, again going back to the football side of things, and and kind of something that's that's uh, near and dear to my heart. Uh, but one of the things you talk about in the book, and you've talked about before, is kind of being that um, undersized guy. How yeah. how did that? As silly as it sounds, how did that being undersized help you? Uh, to have such a long career and such a successful career? Well, I would say, one, having extremely short limbs was a disadvantage in terms of almost everything except for durability. Yeah. <laughs> they don't break as easy. I mean, I was I'm built like a little stump. So on the <laughs> one hand, I, I, didn't, I didn't have the traditional injuries that, mo that most linemen or, or most contact athletes have to go through. My, my knees are really good. Right. Uh, my shoulders are pretty good. My, my elbows got beat up in the end. So there's that. I, I didn't get hurt much. Uh, but I think, and this came down to the beauty of what Dan's coaching was all about, where I, 
you know, I got cut my first year when Toronto drafted me. They moved me to Montreal. I sat on the practice roster. They moved me back to BC. I didn't play it down. I mean, my, my first year in the league, I was on three teams and I never played it down. I never right. dressed for anything. I'm just sitting there going, you know, I'm barely six foot one and I have these stumpy little arms. I'm looking around at guys six, seven, three, six, and I'm going, maybe I am out of my, uh, you know, out of my zone here. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not have what it takes. Right. And there's some truth to that. And what Dan did was reminded me that you're here. If you're here, you got enough. Now, what are you going to do with it? And then what he did as a coach, and this is where if I speak to, to coaches on any level, he did something that a lot of the coaches didn't do. I think a lot of coaches look at, uh, you know, they have their ideal of what they want. If you don't fit it, you're, you're sort of on the out. You know, this is what they want to work with. And Dan looked at, what do I have to work with? And how can right. I maximize the people I have? And, and it comes back to the first statement. You know, I had all the other qualities they wanted. I was a team guy. I was willing to do what it takes. I took to coaching. And so culture-wise, um, you know, I had, and I, had, I, I had enough football smarts to be a center. I could figure things out and make adjustments, and I was vocal. So he looked at it going, how can I help him be the best with what he has instead of being upset that he doesn't have it and just trying to find someone that fits the mold? And I think he, he took interest in coaching each player, not just coaching O-line and if you don't, if you don't, if it doesn't work for you, that's your fault. Right. And so, uh, you know, and the CFL is a little different for the guys that don't follow it in the U.S. There's a yard neutral zone on the ball. So when, you know, when I'm playing center, there's not some big nose guard uh, half an inch from me. So quickness out of your stance and getting, getting onto them right off the bat is difficult because there's a yard gap. So right. the long limbs actually – are a bigger, even bigger advantage in our league because there's space to close with that lens. If you don't have it, that's more space for them to get you before you can get to them. And it's, it's, it's tricky because there's two and a half to three foot footwork before contact. So there's a lot more space to play with and balance becomes a bigger issue. And that's where long arms really, really can win. So Dan worked with me and I think two things he did, he tweaked my techniques. So he gave me the best chance with what I had. You know, yep. pass protection, we did a lot of faint punching. We did a lot of uh, individual arm work. Uh, he did a lot of things where he knew what I could not couldn't do and wouldn't dare try to get me to do something that wasn't uh, at my best interest and then get mad at me for not being able to do the, do the block. So he, he tweaked everything for me as best as possible. And then what else? What he, what he also did, and I tell coach all the time, listen, make your system, adjust your system to the talent you have. Don't, yep. don't don't get mad at your players for being exposed because they can't run your system when you know they can't. It doesn't make sense. So, you know, uh, we were a zone running team, which I loved. We, we ran zone and I was great at zone block. So, so that, that helped me because I didn't have to just base block some big nose guard. I was really good at moving in space and zone blocking. I, I had it mastered. I could, I could, you know, force the three tech out, climb to the linebacker. I could reach a one tech. I could do all those things. Pass protection. We were very good at, uh, we would do uh, kind of front side, big on big and backside kind of slide protect. And, and okay. so it was all very zone based. Right. And, and so he was very good at not just trying to not and protect is a bad word, not protect me, but, but help everyone as much as possible. Always give people help, always right. u- utilize schemes to, to benefit your players, not to, not to expose them. Right. And so right. his, his rule number one on, on pass pro was, how can we minimize any one-on-ones? How, how can we literally minimize all of them? And it doesn't matter how good the players. Why would you do that if you don't have to? So we did a lot of backside slide protect. So we, you know, we had uh, gap protection on pass pro. And he, he was big on 
you know, he, he knew and I knew there was mismatches that teams would try to put me in where they would have their 6'8", 310-pound nose guard, and they'd try to isolate him on me and, and occupy the guards. And we would do what we could. And he would always do what he could to put me in a good situation, not to hide me, but to, to, to give us our best chance. And so, right. you know, from a technique perspective, yeah, we tweak some things. Um, you know, it's pretty detailed. And coaches, that's your job to figure out how can we work with what we have. And then from scheme-wise, scheme, scheme wise, he would never just say, well, this is what we do. And if you're no good at it, that's your fault. We, would, yeah. we were always sitting there going, how can we put our players in the best position for what they can do and, and make them look good? Make them look right. good out there. And then it was up to you. So. Uh, you know, he, he helped me a lot. He was a system guy and I had the intelligence to figure out how to work the system and, and not, not just have to go, well, shoot, here we go. Let's hope for the best here every time. And that, you know, and, and that's, again, it came back to part of the book I talked about is, you know, Dan thought through everything. It wasn't just, well, this is what we do. You know, this is, this is how we do it. And it wasn't just, you know, well, let's hope we have good enough players every week. He was sitting here adjusting not just to what they're showing on the front, but who are the people over there? What are their strengths and weaknesses? And how can we make sure we're putting our guys in the best position to, uh, to exploit them and to protect us? And, right. and if you're not doing that as a coach, you're doing your players an injustice. Yeah. And that's, that, that, I mean, that's awesome because there are too many coaches that are very much, we're going to try to put the player in the most uncomfortable position to fit the scheme instead of making everything comfortable for everybody. And so that's. Yeah. And I'll add to one thing, what with the brilliance of Dan was, uh, and, and, you know, it's one thing at a high school level, even a college level to do that because look, you got these guys, this is what we got. Okay. Right. Four years at the pro level and particularly in the CFL, much less than the NFL, because the, 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 the contract, uh, the pay that, you know, your contracts aren't as big and they're not guaranteed. You can airlift new people in if you wanted to. And you say, listen, we need this, this, this. And every week trying to bring in someone new, but they understood to our whole staff understood to win championships and win games about, as I spoke about the beginning, it, it's culture. It's the continuity of the, of the player. Yeah. And Dan was, was always big on, you know, he would say this long before Bill Belichick was getting public credit for this. I was being always told that, you know, talent sets the floor, character sets the ceiling. And they wanted character players. And you had to be good enough. And I, I was good enough. But there was better physical players out there than me. But they understood. But I ticked all the other boxes for them of, on the culture side and, and, the, and the football IQ side and, right. and the effort and the, the guy that could be the glue for people and, and all the other things they wanted. And so they knew what, that it was more important to have the right guys and work the system to help them than just trying to uh, input what you want. And, right. and I think other coaches don't, some, not everyone does that still, right? They take the lazy road and just import more talent, import more talent, and that'll save the day. And we know it never does, uh, especially on an O-line, especially in a football team. It's about right. uh, the, getting the right people and then working your system to maximize them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Hit the nail on the head there. Um, all right, Coach, we're going to kind of wrap this up. I've got one more question for you, and this is, this is the hard one people have been struggling with. Um, you get to pick five guys uh, for your mount, or for your uh, offensive line Mount Rushmore, and they can be guys you played with, uh, guys you played against, right. or guys that you just kind of are fans of. So what, what are <laughs> your five-man Mount Rushmore? Okay, so I, I did this on Twitter, and I said – I'm only going to put guys that I actually grew up watching because I didn't okay. want to put kind of all time because 
you know, it's tough to gauge from folklore and things you've heard and pictures that you've seen on the internet. So right. I, am going to put my top five and I'll give them positionally from guys that I grew up watching. So I can, so I can kind of, uh, give some sort of credibility to what I'm suggesting. And I would have <laughs> my, my, you know, like people are saying, you know, I put, uh, you know, I'd love to put John Hanna. I never saw him play. I hear right. he's the best run blocker ever, but I, how can I, how can I pick that? Right. I know I never saw him do anything. We've just seen so, highlights, right? Right. And so, uh, you know, I would, I would, have to put Orlando Pace at tackle. Okay. I'd have to put uh, Jonathan Ogden at, at tackle. I'd have to 100% put Larry Allen. He could probably play both guards at the same time. <laughs> but we'd put Larry Allen. I like. I always. I was always a big fan of Steve Hutchinson, and okay. I loved him even at Michigan. And at, at the NFL level, I was a massive fan of Mark Stepnowski because I, I loved oh, the yeah. Cowboys and Ice, and because he was undersized and he was yep. kicking some ass. But my all-time favorite football player, and this is cheating a little bit because I didn't watch him play when it mattered most. I saw him really at the end of the career. But, I, you know, he's, he's the guy, he's the archetype of who I wished I could be would be uh, Dave Remington from his days at Nebraska. I think, oh, nice, uh, yeah. He's someone that I, you know, I, I look up to him as, as, as that kind of what I wanted to be in this kind of, you know, I was built in the weight room like Dave. And, again, like cheating a little because I didn't see him back in his glory days. But uh, I got to have him in there because I just I looked up to him too, too much. That's all right. We'll we'll allow you the cheat, the cheat on that one. So that's yeah. fine. That's good. That's some good good names for sure. So um, I'll, I'll I'll leave you with a funny story too because I the Larry Larry Allen. I mean I don't think I don't know anybody that could ever put their all time team and not have him at a guard spot. I mean I just don't see how that's even possible right. in 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 any type of uh, universe. But I, I'll tell you a funny story. I had two friends that played down at. Uh, Butte Junior College, where Larry went to junior college, and and he was about two years before they got down there, and he had just come out of Sonoma State, I think, when they went down, and he was with the Cowboys as a as a as a rookie in '94, I want to say, and they were asking their <coughs> head coach at, at Butte about Larry. He goes, "Let me tell you about Larry." So he comes into junior college, and he's just killing guys, like he's just absolutely just murdering people on the field. Right. And coach goes, "Look, Larry, you know you got a shot." you're you're someone that actually has a shot getting down the nfl he goes, but you know you gotta work out like you gotta actually work out a bit and he goes why never worked out ever <laughs> and he goes why he goes well that's what it takes to be a pro he goes now nah, i don't need to do that stuff he goes listen i'll tell you what he goes if you can bench press 400 pounds i'll leave you alone he goes he never ever worked out and larry goes well, what does that look like he goes in those big plates he goes four of those in either side he goes all right whatever he goes let's just put it on he goes, he puts it on. His Larry gets on the bench. He goes, he goes, his grip was so far off. Like one was like midpoint, one was way <laughs> over to the left. Then he over out, unracks the thing, cranks out six reps, rocks it. He goes, see you later. I don't need to come back here anymore. <laughs> Coach goes, yeah, you're right. All right, you're good. Wow. Just, that, a, just, that, a, different, just a different human being, right? Just, no, just built is, differently, different man. Oh, man, that's absolutely 100% correct. He, he's, he's a guy that – and, and I love Larry Allen. I got a little flack because I put a tweet out a couple days ago and it didn't include him, but I was trying to include some out-of-the-box players. Yeah. Um, but he's a guy that could play in any era and be yeah. all-pro in any era. And, and even yeah. even now, I mean, put him in, in this era, he's still going to be an all-pro. So it, it's – Yeah. He's, he's a different human being. And, I, and I, don't, I don't see any coach that could take credit for that. He's just, he's just no. a differently built human being. He is, yeah. you said on, on your Mount Rushmore, he is Mount Rushmore. Yeah, right. And absolutely. He is, he is the Mount Rushmore, that's for sure. But yeah. All right, Coach, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, go ahead and drop your uh, Twitter handle and any other information you want the listeners to know. Um, and then sure. we'll get out of here. 
Sure. Uh, it's at Angus Reed 64, R-E-I-D 64. Uh, my book, thank you, Coach. Best to get it on Amazon. And if anyone hasn't seen my Why We Need High School Football TEDx talk, I'd love you to watch it. It's my thank you to everyone that makes sure high school football is out there for kids because it is so important, maybe more important now than ever, to have that outlet for our youngsters to be a part of. Awesome, Coach. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on today. All right. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thanks again for everyone listening. And remember to go check out platform.com for the full series of Hog Football podcast episodes. We want to thank everybody for their continued support and be on the lookout for our Hog Football Chat series from Twitter on our website, hogfootballchat.net. You can check out all of our great sponsors and tons of awesome conversations from the chat and the podcast.